The departed who have led lives of righteousness now know everlasting joy. Theirs is the kingdom of, in all its glory, and God's grace and mercy rest upon them. A reading from the book, The Wisdom of Solomon. The souls of the righteous are in the hands, hand of God, and no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of the foolish, they seem to have died, and their departure was thought to be a disaster, and their going from us to be their destruction. But they are at peace, for, for, through this, for though in the sight of others they were punished, their hope is full of immortality. Having been disciplined a little, they will receive a great good, because God tested them and found them worthy of himself. Like gold in the furnace, he tried them, and like a sacrificial burnt offering, he accepted them. In the time of their visitation, they will shine forth and will run like sparks through stubble. They will govern nations and rule over peoples, and the Lord will reign over them forever. Those who trust in him will understand truth, and the faithful will abide with him in love, because grace and mercy are upon his holy ones. And he watches over his elect. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 24. It's found on page 4 of the service leaflet. Please stand as you are able and sing.
Please be seated. The dawn of a new age for God's faithful people is promised. The Lord shall renew all things in Christ, and death shall become a thing of the past. A reading from the Revelation to John. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, and they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt down at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. Last week we finished reading the book of Job. Um, We read the prose ending to it, which I told you I don't like very much. Um, The book of Job um, was written to answer a question. Why is it that people suffer, particularly um, as the Jews had gone into exile, um, they answered the question, why did this catastrophe happen to us? by saying it must be because we sinned, and so God is punishing us for our sins. The book of Job refuses that answer. It says, no, that's not why people suffer. 
Over and over and over again, even though Job's friends tell him, you must have sinned, he says, no, I insist on my righteousness. And if I were in the presence of God, God would vindicate me. And of course, at the end of the book, God shows up in the whirlwind and says to Job, were you there when I made the world? Do you understand how things work? And Job, of course, has to admit that he does not. And then, because we can't just leave the story hanging there, Job has to get back everything that he had and more. So he had 3,000 camels to start with. Now he has 6,000 camels. And I've told you I think that's partly the joke of the book. No one has 6,000 camels. But we can't leave the story hanging. Now we get to the Book of Wisdom. And the Book of Wisdom says what happens when things don't come out right at the end? What happens when Job doesn't get back 6,000 camels? It's a poem that starts at, at chapter 2 and goes all the way through chapter 2. Sometimes we read it on Good Friday. Um, the, the unwise have said to themselves, let us make a covenant with death. Short and troublous is our life. We will um, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's where that line comes from. Um, we'll party in all of the meadows. We'll collect rosebuds while we can. John Donne uses that line, gather ye rosebuds while ye may. comes from this poem. And the righteous poor man bothers them because he puts the lie to their way of life. We're partying, and here's this righteous poor man being good, so we'll just get rid of him. We'll get him off the scene. And so he is, they kill him. And the question then is, what happens to the righteous when they die and don't get back their 6,000 camels? The Book of Wisdom begins to introduce the concept of a resurrection. For Job, there was no concept of a resurrection available, so he has to get it all back in this life. Now these thinkers are beginning to say, hmm, when it doesn't happen in this life, there must be another life. The souls of the righteous are at peace, even though their death appeared to be a disaster, they are in the presence of God. And when they shine forth, when they come back, um, they will govern, they will rule over all of the kingdoms of the earth. Um, so there were two schools of thought within Judaism, the Pharisees who believed in the resurrection and the Sadducees who said, no, we need a political solution now. We catch a hint of that in um, the Sadducees coming to Jesus and they say, we have this test case. There was a woman and she was married to seven different men. In the resurrection, whose wife will she be? And Jesus says, of course, you've misunderstood the resurrection. They don't marry and are given in marriage in the resurrection, but it will happen. God is the God of the living, not of the dead. So as soon as we've introduced the concept of a resurrection, what does it look like? Um, the story of Lazarus is intended to answer for us the question what it doesn't look like. Um, again, I think there's a good deal of humor in this story. Um, and there's a contrast. If you read this story and then the story of Jesus' resurrection in John's Gospel, you see the differences. When the disciples go into the tomb... Um, at Jesus' resurrection, they see the binding cloths all neatly folded up in one place and the face cloth all neatly folded up in another place. When Lazarus comes out of the tomb, he's still all wrapped up in the binding cloths and has the face cloth um, over his face like he was going trick-or-treating or something. Um, and so there's a difference there. We're told that Lazarus has been dead four days, Jesus only three days. When Mary comes out to meet Jesus as she's coming to Bethany, 
She falls at his feet. It says in your translation there, she knelt at his feet. No, the word is she fell at his feet. She's holding on to his feet. And she says to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can hear the pathos in that. If you had been here, why do people die? Why do righteous people die? If you had been here, it wouldn't have happened. She's holding on to his feet. When Mary Magdalene meets Jesus in the Garden of the Resurrection, she says, he says to her, Don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. So we're seeing these differences. I suppose you could call what happened to Lazarus a resuscitation and what happened to Jesus a resurrection. Um, John wants us to see that they are very different. And finally, at the end, Jesus says to the crowd standing there, unbind him and let him go. I think that Jesus is speaking to us in our grief. Today is All Saints Day. Um, we believe in the communion of saints. We're going to say the, the renewal of baptismal vows. We don't have a baptism today, but we're going to renew our baptismal vows. And we use the Apostles' Creed in which we say we believe in the communion of saints. Um, up here by the altar, there's a list of all of the people who have died from Advent um, since its founding. I've been here long enough. It's getting kind of scary. I own the names on about four of those pages. Um, that gets to be kind of, huh, I've been here a while. Um, they are part of our communion of saints. They are part of, of who defines us. Um, we also, in our prayers of the people, read the list of the folks who have died within the last year, both members of Advent and their family members. It never fails. We put someone on that list, and about six or eight weeks after we put someone on that list, the person whose relative it is comes to me and says, oh, they've been on there long enough, I'm okay with it, you can take them off. And I say, no, we can't. They have to be on there a year. We're still grieving. When Jesus says to the crowd, unbind him and let him go, he's saying to us, our tendency is to want to hold on um, to the departed. We want to keep their room the way it was. We want to keep their stuff. And Jesus says, no, you've got to let them go. It's not a resuscitation. It's a resurrection. They enter into a different reality. They become part of our communion of saints, part of what defines us gathering with us at the altar. After service, we're going to go out into, into the garden. I love the fact that we have a garden where we can bury folks. And we will say a little service there and read, actually it's only one name this year, Adventer, who's died since last All Saints Day, Dan Luking, making him part of our communion of saints. Um, making all of those people that you are grieving um, over the past year part of our communion of saints. In the garden, where Mary says to Jesus, Don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Um, we have to let go of them, unbind them and let them go. Let them out of this reality so that they can enter that reality of the communion of saints so that every time we gather at this altar, they gather with us. We talk about that cloud of witnesses that's gone before us. If we hold on to them, that's not what happens. We have to unbind them and let them go. And we do that as part of our celebration on All Saints Day. Amen.